Thank you for tuning in to Off-Brand Covers for Mom podcast. I am Brennan Runzo. I'm Caleb Tollison. I am Aiden Meyer. And in our newfound boredom and unemployment, we are covering songs that we enjoy for Lisa, Jenny, and Becky. We are going on a 50-year musical journey spanning from 1970 all the way to 2020, doing only one song per year, using our limited equipment and instruments. In this podcast, we aim to educate ourselves and listeners on each song we cover, talking about the artist's history, the history of the specific song, and their inspiration for writing it. We also will talk about why we chose this song, what it means to us individually, and share things we enjoy and or learn in the recording process. So, without further ado, let's talk some music. Pasta yeah. and hard-boiled eggs for dinner. I got some stuff in my throat. Yeah. <laughs> so today was a special day for me because we covered one of my absolute favorite songs today. Um, today we covered One Tree Hill by U2 off of their world-famous album, The Joshua Tree. Um, yeah, uh, as, as these guys know, um, U2 is my absolute favorite band. I would, it was like hard for me to like zero in on a song for us to do by them because there's so many that I was just like, oh, we could do this one, we could do this one. <laughs> um, but I feel like this is a good choice. Um, so a little bit, uh, just some, some brief history. <coughs> Dude, you need a beer there? Some, <laughs> there's some water? You want me to go use some water? Uh, if you could, then. Sure, I got you, you, buddy. Can I have a beer? Yeah, you can have a beer, Caleb. Give me a beer. What beer so, do you want? <laughs> just a PBR. Okay. Um, some brief history on YouTube. <coughs> Man, I really got something in there. I'm going to try to keep going here. Um, so U2 is a band from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, they formed in high school in the late 70s. I believe 78 was the official year that they had formed. Um, their drummer, Larry Mullen Jr., posted a, uh, a sign in high school that he wanted to form a band. And so uh, four guys showed up. Um, Paul Hewson, Dave Evans, uh, Adam Clayton, and Dave Evans' brother, I forgot his name. Wow. Um, but Paul Hewson is the actual name of Bono, and then their guitar player, um, Dave Hewson, or Dave, uh, Dave Evans, was later named The Edge, um, and U2 was formed. And yeah, so they, uh, they really st- started to get big in the early 80s uh, when their first album, Boy, came out. Um, the follow-up albums, uh, War and October, were also hits. Um, the Unforgettable Fire was their uh, their big album in it was either 84 or 85 that the one came out. Um, but around that time is when they started to travel to America, and then um, the Joshua Tree was really a culmination of a heavy influence of um, American culture and music, and that came out in 87, and that... The Joshua Tree is really the album that brought them to the world stage um, in a huge way. I mean, it really launched them to number one on so many charts. Um, and the, the album is just an absolute masterpiece. Um, yeah, um, this song was... Uh, so they wrote this song in 1986, the year before they officially published The Joshua Tree. And uh, the story behind it is pretty emotional. So. 
Uh, when the band was touring in the mid-80s during their Unforgettable Fire tour, they were in Auckland, New, New Zealand. Um, and there was a day that uh, Bono was kind of touring around, and there was a group of natives of, the, of New Zealand that were showing him around. And they brought him to this monument called One Tree Hill. And it's basically this huge volcanic hill with a, that had a single tree on top, which was chopped down at one point. Mm. Um, and I think they planted like another tree on it that was also chopped down. Um, wow. But there's also a monument, an obelisk monument, that's standing there now. Um, and this hill had huge spiritual significance to the Maori people, who were the indigenous people of New Zealand. Um, and one of the members of this group that was showing around that was showing Bono around the area was a man named Greg Carroll, and he became very close friends with Bono and his wife, and the band hired him to tour with them as, um, I think he was just like a, uh, roadie's probably not the right word, but he... he stagehand, right? Yeah, stagehand, that's, yeah. that's what I was looking for. So they hired him as a stagehand, and he was very close to the band, and then in 87, when they were recording... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> We might have to edit that out. That was so loud. That's all right. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, so in 87, they were back in Dublin recording, and Greg Carroll died in a motorcycle accident. And what made it even more tragic for Bono is that he was doing him a favor. Um, it was Bono's motorcycle that Greg Carroll was taking back to Bono's place for him, and he was hit by a car, and he passed away. And... Greg's death had a massive effect on the band. It was their first close friend that they had lost um, in that circle. And that song inspired the writing of One Tree Hill. Um, and so really, like, at the core of this song is about their loss of their friend Greg. Um, but what makes the song so special and such a massive reason that I chose this song for us to do um, is that they don't just make the song about their friend. Like, they broaden it into this poetic song about loss and the darkness of this world. And they wrap it around this symbolism around the monument of One Tree Hill. Um, which also, I, I don't know if I mentioned, Greg Carroll was uh, of Maori descent. And so when, he was, when his body was sent back to New Zealand, they did like a traditional Maori funeral and everything. So the significance of that monument to his death is, is, I mean, it meant a lot, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, but yeah, and so I, I kept saying today that like really what makes this song so special is the weight of the lyrics. I mean, if you just match up these lyrics to any of the other songs we've done, a lot of the other songs, they, they're emotional, um, but they're I mean, a lot of them are love songs, and a lot of them, like, to some degree, they're pretty simple lyrics. Like, even if they're emotional, they're pretty simple. I think the one, like, political one that we did was the first one we did, mm -hmm. Cool Stop the Rain, but even that one is a fairly simple metaphor. Um, I mean, you just read through these lyrics, and it is just drenched in, like, thick poetry. Um, I mean, the opening lines, like, we turn away to face the cold enduring chill as the day begs the night for mercy love like god that like that is just such <laughs> nice <laughs> brennan just cracked a negative forehead <laughs> thanks dude um but yeah like the the weight of these lyrics is just so beautiful and it's 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 just quintessential you too um when you look at the writing like it's it's emotional but it's it's poetic in reference to 
um, physical landscapes. It's spiritual, it's religious, and it's political because the second verse refers to Jara, who is a poet during the Chilean Revolution. And this is actually the third, this is one of three songs on this album that talks about the Chilean Revolution. And so um, this song, it has political backing to it, it's spiritual, it's, it's just so many things wrapped up in this beautiful poem of a song. Hmm. Um, and and I'll, I'll let you guys, especially you, Brennan, talk about the vocals on this one, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's, the melody is pretty simple for a while, and it's, it's just very, it's a beautiful melody for Bono's voice, and, and then when it starts to launch into the pre-chorus and the bridge, it's just pure emotion. Um, and it's worth mentioning, too, that when they recorded this song, Bono only did it in one take because he didn't think he could make it through emotionally a second time because of how much... Uh, it just dug into him um, when he thought and sang about the loss of his friend. Um, and they, they rarely performed it on the original tour live because it just didn't feel right. Um, and you, when you understand the context, when you just hear Bono just absolutely giving everything on that bridge, it, it just it adds a whole other weight to it. Um, but yeah, so that's, those are a lot of my initial thoughts on this song. Uh, what do you guys... This is a very... Uh, it was a very draining day of recording. Um, I mean, I, I feel like it always is when there's three of us involved because there's just a lot of logistical stuff. But um, yeah, what kind of what things were you guys feeling and experiencing today while we did this one? I felt like the chord progression was simple, but the lyrics were not, and they became more meaningful to me as I was talking to them. Oh, as I'm talking to the mic and getting closer. Um, so yeah. For me, I was working with a chord progression that was relatively simple, but realizing it needed to have layers. It needed to have something that um, just sort of went into a growth and direction. And so, um, musically, um, it's not a simple song, even though it's only three chords. Um, musically, it is a very complex song because of the beautiful lyrics and because of just how much emotion, especially Bonham was putting into this song. Um, and I think maybe that was what we were struggling with as we were recording of just kind of like figuring out how we wanted to end it not necessarily working with the vocals on the bridge but working with like how how are we going to come down from this big um like hill that we just climbed yeah vocally yeah there's a lot to talk about there too well, i feel like we can reserve that for just a little bit later because um <clears throat> i'm going to monologue about bono <laughs> and trying to uh copy him vocally. I think one thing specifically with uh, our recording purposes is that today we had a really big race on the clock today um, for a couple purposes and I guess one of it being actual daylight. We ended up doing three big takes of this song that we enjoyed. Um, we ended up going with the very first one that we actually did. The third one though we felt like it was musically one of our best that unfortunately it literally got went like from light to dark in under oh, five yeah. minutes and we didn't realize um that what the effect that would have on the specifically on the zoom of the camera so it looks extremely grainy um and although we liked musical stuff about it it just wasn't um kind of the quality of publishable uh, for lack of a better term, but um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any more um, 
comment specifically about kind of, I guess, how we created this to be our own, in a sense, in our Ooh. recording period. Yeah. Um, if you listen to the beginning of the song that we covered, um, we kept it just acoustic and voice, and I liked that. Um, gave it sort of a, a simple element, made it quiet, um, but then we really brought up the energy with a drum machine, so we utilized a new uh, musical instrument for our covers today, so I thought that was pretty cool. And we'll see if we can keep doing that with other covers. Yes, it was the official introduction of percussion yeah. into our to our uh, yeah. recordings. Yeah. Brennan runs a percussionist on, yeah. the, on the end credits. Yeah, when you see him turn around, you see his phone sticking out of his back pocket. So look for that. That's Thanks, another, Caleb. another Easter egg right there. <laughs> so. I don't think it counts as an Easter egg if it only happens once. Oh, true, true. But no, no, no more comments. Is that issue going to be a problem for our... I don't think so. Nah, Looks fine. Cool. AC just turned on. It's getting hot in Chicago. I think one big talking point for today is the man himself, Bono. Um, obviously, one of Rock's most iconic voices, right? I mean, he he is up there with the absolute greats. Um, if anything, for the uniqueness of his voice, there anyone that hears Bono sing is immediately like, oh, yep, that's Bono. Um, but also just. I feel like there's something to be said about raw emotion. Hmm. Oftentimes in a lot of the, I suppose, um, different professional ensembles that I sing in, you know, there's this big focus on um, like this perfect, beautiful tonality. And that's what is associated with, you know, beautiful choral singing. Um, I oftentimes chase that when I sing and when I look for new upcoming artists, it's this beautiful, beautiful um, kind of voice. and the thing about beauty is it's very subjective and what I'm not alluding to is that I don't think Bono has a beautiful voice is the exact opposite that I think that his rawness and his eloquence el eloquence that's not a word elegance <laughs> in um, in uh, in the emotion of how he sings puts him at the top mm. he is it's so beautiful which is funny because I remember one time when you and I were at work and we were talking about our favorite vocalists, and I mentioned how much I love Bono's voice, and right away you're kind of like, yeah, he's not, you know, my favorite vocalist. And that made a lot of sense to me, because you are a classically trained vocalist, yeah. and, you know, there's a lot of performances that... I mean, if you listen to just a bunch of YouTube performances, especially from the early days, it's like, there are performances where he's just flat and just not hitting notes, yeah. and, like, it just doesn't... It doesn't always sound crystal clear and great, but then you have these just incredible moments as he's just belting out this just po these poetic lines yeah. and that when it's like man this guy's just got the voice and then when you try to do it you re you like suddenly have you know and I, I remarked before like I think the way you sing so much of the melody in this song is beautiful because it's just like you just have a beautiful melodic voice <laughs> but then when it gets to the belts it's like that's where Bono like that's Bono. really is set apart from yeah. everyone else because mm -hmm. it's just special when he does it yeah yeah um and that was really the another asset of the race that we had today um, to get it in as few takes as possible because you know he is, this is in the key of C and he's at the very end he hits I think I counted eight or more high C's um, and of course in the recording you know he's being Bono and <laughs> and yelling it in this raw emotional way um, that is it's one of those things that I as a vocalist 
wants to try to ride this line of paying the due respect to Bono and how he sings it by, you know, attempting to do my best, but also not thinking that I can be Bono because I cannot. Um, I, I don't think anyone can be Bono. Um, but, you know, and it, it was it was funny. So as, as a vulnerable moment for me, as we were looking through the three takes that we did, I felt pretty shitty about all three of them, um, just specifically how I um, performed the bridge uh, section where he hits those Cs. But, you know, I think that's a part of kind of letting go of the reality of the challenges of our... Um, of what we're doing here is yeah. we have we pick a song each day learn it and try our best and when specifically with this song the race was daylight and vocals and we did our best for the time that we had yeah and you and, know. and something too like in terms of adjusting the vocals of so many different kinds of singers it's also like such a mental thing because as, as i was mentioning before like this is, it's like, this is rock. Like right. this, this is rock. And if you, I mean, as, as someone who has listened extensively to a ton of different versions of so many U2 songs, mm -hmm. there's a lot of times that the studio version is actually not the best vocal version. It'll be yeah. like, oh, if you really want to hear this song at its best, watch the live in Paris in 1988. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, that's just how rock is, is like, <laughs> you have to be in the mentality of like, this is about the soul of the song, yeah. and hopefully you hit all the notes, right, like, the best you can, but that's not like the point of it. Yeah. And yep. so like, it's almost like getting in that mindset of like, I just have to not care as much about this being my perfect performance. Yeah. So. And I started to find that when I started to envelop that mentality, it was easier for me to just kind of let go and go for it. So, um, yeah. And we have the version that we have today. <laughs> It was, uh, I don't know, besides, like, those challenges, I really loved this song. Everything yeah. about it. Like, the yeah. the lyricism in it was so moving, and, you know, maybe some people have noticed, but every single shot that we do, um, or every single video that we do is with written-out lyrics, because I think it's really tacky to have, like, an iPad out. Even though, I guess, for this one, we used a music stand, so it wouldn't have mattered anyways, but I think there's something ritualistic about having the opportunity to write out all the lyrics and kind of study them a little bit, especially because we're on such a time crunch. Yeah. Um, and lyricism, I mean, in my humble opinion, is 50% is of a song. It is like a majority 50%. All the rest is the musicality. But lyrics have such a absolutely astounding importance to them. And yeah. specifically in this song, I think you, you were very spot on when like, when you were saying that we have not covered something so intense as this, um, there's a deepness, a rawness that is kind of special to what we what we've been doing so far. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, so many people have said so many times that um, whenever they've gone to a U2 concert or seen them, there's something religious about like their experience mm -hmm. and I think it is like when you look at how they write the lyrics and what they do with everything it's it is what sets it apart from all the other songs we've done um, there's just there's a depth to the words and the composition of the song that's just so wholly different than the way that other people choose to express through mm -hmm. lyrics or at least the people that we've covered so far and I feel like we capture that well I hope so 
Yeah, I hope so. Let too. us know what you think. Maybe we did a terrible <laughs> job. We just really like ourselves and love our own way. Yeah, maybe we've just been drinking too much beer. I have legitimately never felt more exhausted after doing mm -hmm. a song than this song today. Yeah. I'm drained. But it's those, it's those high notes. It's drained. Ooh. Imagine doing this like twice a week for like months on tour. Well, as we discovered, he definitely knocks it down a, a, a half or a whole yeah. on tour. For righteous purposes. Yeah. I think you also make healthier decisions with your boys. But. That's true. Yeah. Alright, everybody. This is, uh... We, like, as I've said many times before, I don't think we have a legit intro. Or a legit, and outro. legit ending. I feel like we should always, these days, be like, Hey, you know, check out our YouTube video if you already haven't. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. If you want to send any requests our way, our P.O. box is 2638 West Cortland Street, Apartment 2, uh, Chicago, Illinois, 60647. And uh, let us know how our video went by commenting on the link. I think that's the answer. I think we're just going to have you talk at the end because you have all of that stuff memorized. Yay! That sounds good. Oh, and, uh, you know, Call your mom. Hey. <laughs> no, it's still not. I'm still not sold on it.